Um, let me read Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 10. We're just going to study 10 verses. There's a lot there. Um, we go a little bit slower with some of these books because they're so deep and there's so much to understand. So let me read those 10 verses and we'll have a word of prayer. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I forbear, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray to God. Father, help us to understand this. It runs totally contrary, Lord, to our nature, our human nature. Runs contrary to our culture, Lord, that looks down on weak people so often. But Lord, you use broken people and you use weak people who admit their weakness and admit their brokenness and then you raise them up and you strengthen them as they depend on you. So Lord, may we be a room full of people that do not lean on our own strength, but we lean on your strength, God. When we're weak, Lord, may we realize that's the best moment to be strong in you. Pray your blessings, Father, over our youth group out at Dillon Beach. Bless them and bring them home safely. Over the kids here being taught in classrooms and overall in this room. Thank you, Lord. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give you a little background. If you're just joining us, uh, Paul was the spiritual father of these people. He founded the church. He he visited Corinth and preached the gospel, and they received the gospel message, and they became Christians, and he stayed with them 18 months. And so he, he established them in the faith, he nurtured them, and then he appointed leaders, and he left. After, it, was, it was typical that after Paul would start a church, people would come and pray, not P-R-A-Y, but P-R-E-Y, pray upon uh, weak converts or immature believers and try to con- convert them, not to Christ, because they were already converted to Christ, but to convert them to be followers of themselves. And these guys had different names. They were called the Judaizers. At some, there was one group. Uh, the, the name that Paul has given them here in 2 Corinthians is, is the super apostles. And they were kind of the kind of guys that would walk into a room with capes on, you know, blue tights and a red thing and red boots and super, super apostle, you know. And uh, they, they saw themselves as, as much better than Paul. They didn't preach really the gospel of Jesus Christ. They... They preached some of the gospel and they preached some other things. But the main thing was they loved taking control of people and they loved uh, getting people to follow them. And the way they did it was to, to uh, put Paul down, to speak poorly of his 
life and so on and so forth. They would boast about themselves and put down Paul. Paul was very reluctant to defend himself, but, but he had to defend himself. And these, these last few chapters of this book are really, really like reading somebody's diary. Um, he had to defend himself because if, if he is seen as illegitimate in the eyes of the Corinthians, then suddenly his message is illegitimate. If you've ever seen a public figure fall, whether in government or in sports or in the ministry, if you see them fall and suddenly they're illegitimate, illegitimate and disqualified from ministry or they're off to jail or so, something, suddenly you, sudden, you start to wonder, can I believe what they told me? And so this was the case with Paul. He was reluctantly defending himself. They had been boasting. Now we can, we can get to our notes. Paul's reluctant boasting is the first portion here. The super apostles boasted a lot. Look, look here in 2 Corinthians, turn back to chapter 3, verse 1. We read very briefly about what Paul was up against, the kind of opposition he was up against. He's asking his own spiritual children this question, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Do we have to commend ourselves to you? You're my spiritual children, but do I have to again try to convince you that I'm your spiritual father? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? And so the super apostles would gather letters, and, and it was typical to, to, to present yourself with some kind of you know, backing and some kind of representation but these guys would gather letters and they would brag about themselves and they loved to boast about themselves and so that being so and there's a lot of verses here between chapter 3 and chapter 12 that we can look at we're just we're not going to but these guys turning back to chapter 12 have kind of forced Paul and backed him into a corner and now he's having to boast they they were all about letters of recommendation Paul Paul said why do I need letters of recommendation why do I need to try to impress you I birthed you into the faith. But they, their, their thinking was twisted. So now he's having to defend himself. You know, when, when I use examples sometimes, I'm going to use the example of a father. I don't mean to exclude those who are not fathers. Or if I talk about mothers, I don't need to exclude those, mean to exclude those who are not mothers. So please don't get your feelings hurt or anything. But as a dad, I would hate to have to try to talk my own children into to believing that I was actually their dad again. Are you kidding? I'm writing you out of the will. That $10 is out of your future, you know? It's like, I mean, imagine that. Or a friend that you've proved yourself to, or just somebody that you've really poured your heart into. Imagine having to come back and convince them actually that you were the real thing. That, that's really, really sad. And that's what Paul was up against. And so he says here in verse 1, it's doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I don't really get anything out of this, and I feel foolish doing it, he would say. But I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to boast about myself, but I'll tell you what God has done in my life. And so what, he's not boasting in himself per se, but he's saying, this is my experience with God. And when, guys, when we have an experience with God, it's primarily God that's kind of, God is always the initiator. If you're a Christian today, it's because God initiated the relationship, and yes, you responded, and yes, you said faith, but God initiates the relationship. He starts it. So Paul, in verse 1, is saying, it's not profitable for me to boast about myself, but I will tell you about the visions and the revelations that I've had from the Lord. Paul had legitimate reason to boast. If you look at your notes here, 
multiple direct visions from God. And I, I had list, listed these all out and I just realized we don't have time to go over all of these. If you want, you can read all of those. I listed them there for you, all in the book of Acts. Where the Apostle Paul was, for instance, Acts chapter 9, he's on his way to Damascus to a, arrest and imprison Christians. The risen Lord Jesus Christ stops him and, and, and Paul's blinded by the light of the glory of God, has an encounter with Jesus why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting my church? Saul's conversion, he comes to Christ later. He's blinded by this glory of God. He has another vision of a man named Ananias that's going to come and lay hands on him and he's going to receive his sight back. There's a whole string of visions and revelations that Paul had directly from the risen Jesus Christ. Now, if, if a man wants to boast about his theological you know, degrees, that's quite a boast. I've seen Jesus... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times that are listed, the risen, resurrected King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's appeared to me with personal messages. Top that, super apostle, you know. He could boast if he wanted to. But he said, I'm not going to boast about me. I will tell you about what the Lord has done in my life. He had, not only did he have visions from God, but he had revelations from God. And visions and revelations are very similar, except a revelation a vision can come, and, and, and with it, a revelation. It's a, it's a part. It's a uh, imparting of knowledge. Look what he said about himself in Ephesians chapter three. Surely you have heard about the administration, or the ministry, or the giving of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery no, made known to me by revelation. God used the apostle Paul to to uh, to teach him things that had never yet been revealed about the early church. The early church was comprised par- primarily of, of converted Jewish people. Culturally, they had a real bias against the Gentiles. And God really showed Paul, my church is universal. Every race, every language, every color of skin, every, every culture, my, my church is universal. And Paul really had a huge breakthrough on that in teaching the early church that. God didn't use Peter to do that or John to do that. or any other. He used Paul to do that. Paul was at the front of the class on these things. He had reason to boast. God didn't use the super apostles to do that. By the way, it's interesting. When I used to be on staff at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, just two and a half years, but <clears throat> there are things called cults, and they are, they are non-Christian gatherings that often use the name of Jesus, but they, they're not really Christians. And, and the cults would come to this big church. It was 20,000 people, you know, crazy big. And they would sit in the back, and they would hand out their flyers to young Christians. They wouldn't go start their own thing. They would try to pick off the weak from the flock. Typical, typical of cults. Don't necessarily want to start their own thing. They want, to, they want to kind of siphon off of another group. That's what the super apostles were doing. <clears throat> and, and proclaiming that they had these amazing visions and revelations. And Paul said, well, if you really want to compare notes, I'll leave you in the dust. You can't catch up to me. Paul talks about this event that happened to him Look at verses 2, 3, and 4. I'm going to read it again. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Paul honored God, excuse me, God honored Paul by taking him up to heaven and then sending him back. Paul had a vision of heaven. 
Now the rabbis in that day and in that culture, they spoke about themselves in the third person. They didn't want to seem like they were exalting themselves. For instance, if I was going to speak about myself in the third person, this is all just for your humorous entertainment, okay? I know this pastor, he's kind of older, but he's really nice and he can kind of play the keyboard, he can kind of play the bass, and he can kind of play the piano or the, the guitar, and he can, he can kind of sing. Yeah, I know this pastor, I know this guy. You go, okay, Bill, quit bragging about yourself. Right? Get a life, Bill, you know, kind of thing. They talked about themselves in third person, so they wouldn't seem like they're exalting themselves. Paul's simply adopting this methodology. Now he says, I know this guy. I don't know if he went to heaven in his spirit or if his body actually went to heaven. I don't, I don't know. God knows. But I know this guy. And that's, what he's ta- that's how he's talking about it. He's talking about himself. He's super apostles. Well, I won't talk about me, but I will talk about what God has done. Talk about the visions. Talk about the revelation. Oh, yeah, and then there was this trip to heaven. <laughs> I mean, he's got quite a resume, doesn't he? If anybody wants to brag, Paul could brag, but he's not going to brag about himself. He's talking about what God has done in his life. We don't know exactly how it happened. We don't know exactly what happened. In Acts chapter 14, Paul was taken outside of the city and they stoned him and they left him for dead. And some people believe, some commentators believe that Paul actually did die and for a moment ascended into heaven, not in his body, but in his soul and his spirit and saw the glory of heaven. And then the Lord gave him his life back, sent him back and said, I'm not done with you. You have work to do down there. We don't really know how it happened. <clears throat> Paul called this place the third heaven or paradise, and this is how the Jewish mindset worked. The first heaven was the clouds, the atmosphere that we can see. The second heaven was our solar systems, where we can see with the naked eye and, and also you know, with the telescope. The third heaven, to the Jewish mind, was where God dwells. And it doesn't necessarily mean beyond our solar system. It just means kind of beyond all that we can see and measure and uh, discern with our senses. Paul says he heard divine revelations which are unlawful for a man to utter. By the way, when did this happen? Um, Verse 2, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, it happened 14 years earlier. He seems really reluctant to talk about it. You know, and, and I don't, I've, I've never read any of the books where people have had a death experience and gone down the tunnel and seen the bright light. And maybe some people in this room have even experienced something like that and fantastic. And, you know, I'm not sure how to measure those things. And, um, but we, we see people who have this death experience and they, they go, it's always the same kind of quiet tunnel and bright light and, and then they come back. And then they write books. And then they go on tour and then they're on you know, TV talk shows and all these kinds of things, and they can't wait to talk about it. And it just seems kind of strange to me, a little bit. I think it's just something to, to, to make us cautious. Paul said, I saw things that really a man shouldn't talk about. And he doesn't even want to talk about it. It's so holy, it's so reverential to him. It's like, I'm not going to go on a book tour <laughs> talking about my trip to heaven. How'd you get to heaven? Well, I got stoned and not the druggy kind of way. <laughs> how, how, how did you go to heaven? Well, let somebody kill you, and if God wants to give your life back, then, you know. He doesn't, he doesn't do any of that. He doesn't promote it. He doesn't teach classes on it. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't even talk about it in first person. He's so reluctant to not brag. Guys, probably a secondary or tertiary point to, to gather out of this thing. May I say this, and, and I'm not on the attack 
uh, you know, publicly. But watch out for churches that promote themselves a little bit too much. Ministries and pastors and speakers. And, uh, you know, I recently read an article. Some of the old timers know about Hank Hanegraaff. Anybody know Hank Hanegraaff? And he, you know, he recently converted from evangelicalism, which is just one type of Christianity, to Eastern Orthodox. And a bunch of people kind of got on his case about it and said he's forsaking the faith. He says, I'm not forsaking the faith. But what I noticed in evangelicalism, you guys know the word entrepreneur, right? Somebody that's really creative and starts something and creates this big hullabaloo about their new business. He said, I saw too many pastorpreneurs. And to me, I see too many pastorpreneurs. There's guys that can build a church and get, gain a following and fill a room and all of that. And here's a man that went to heaven and didn't want to talk about it. And I think, hmm, if I'm going to err, if I'm going to make a mistake, I think I'm going to lean in the direction of Paul a little bit. We have a website. We have a Facebook page. We, we put our you know, sermons up on, on YouTube. And we, we, we share all of those things, but that's different than going too far and promoting yourself. I just, I just want to encourage you guys. It's easy to be impressed with people because there's a lot of impressive people out there. But we're not to be impressed with carnal human things. That's how the world measures things. If you want to be impressed, go talk to a guy that's, that's gone to heaven and come back and doesn't want to talk about it. Go talk to a guy that's had 9 or 10 or 11 or 12 visitations from Jesus. Go talk to a guy that's willing to give his body and give up his life. He told the Galatians, don't let anybody kind of fight with me. I bear in my body the marks of Christ. Those are the kinds of people I want to talk to. Debbie and I, when we were in our, early in our marriage, we went up to Lake Arrowhead, Calvary Chapel, Lake Arrowhead. I think we were on vacation up there at your mom's cabin. And, and uh, they had a special guest speaker that day, Richard and Sabrina Wormbrand. Have you guys ever heard of them? They have a ministry called Voice of the Martyrs. He spent 14 years in a Russian jail 30 feet below ground just for preaching Christ. They beat him every day on his bare feet. When he, when he taught us that morning, he sat down in stocking feet. It's hard for him to wear shoes now. That's the kind of guy I want to listen to. He's not going to get a national tour. People aren't, he wasn't impressive. This old hunched over man sitting with stocking feet, but you read his books, they'll knock you, knock you off your feet. Amazing stuff. So it's just a word of caution. Watch out for people that promote themselves too much. We don't find it in the Apostle Paul. We don't find it in any of the apostles. We don't find it in Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords. I mean, when he comes back, it's going to be quite a promotion. <laughs> but in his earthly incarnation and in his ministry now, there's, there's a lot of humility. The power isn't in braggadocious. The power is in humility and love and service and commitment. That's where the power is. And so Paul says... Uh, where did I leave off? Uh, I don't even know where I was. I, I, but it was all good. <laughs> in verse 2. But he doesn't know. He, he, I know this guy. I don't know if he's in the body, out of the body. I know such a man. I don't, he says, God knows about all this. Verse 4, he was caught up into the paradise, heard inexpressible words. That's where I left off. It's not lawful for a man to utter. He says, I don't even want to talk about it, lest I seem like I'm bragging. I don't want to come to a church and gather a crowd because they're impressed with me. I don't want to come to a church and gather a crowd because they're impressed with, with my experience with God. I want to speak and have a crowd gather because they're impressed with the Lord, with his goodness to humanity, with his goodness to people, and his plan for, for, for all people, his desire for all people. So Paul was reluctant to speak about these amazing things. I think there's something to be noted, and you guys can discern and kind of chew over that and pray over it and see how it, it works out in your own life. 
So, what do we have so far? Glad you asked. Multiple visions, multiple revelations, and a trip to heaven. And if you wanted to go on a tour, that's pretty good. If you wanted to, you know, have a TV show, that's pretty good. That's, that's really amazing. How did Paul respond to these experiences? Look at verse 5. Of such a one I will boast, of that man I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast. I will boast about a guy that God chose to take to heaven. Even it was me, but I'm really not boasting about me. I'm just bragging about the fact that God took a guy to heaven. But if I do boast, it's going to be in my infirmities. It's going to be in my weakness. If you really want to know something that I want to communicate to you, I want to tell you about how weak I've been and how God has used me anyway. I want to explain to you how difficult it's been at times, and yet the Lord has strengthened me when I didn't think I was going to keep going. Back in chapter 1, he said, we felt the sentence of death in ourselves. Didn't think we could keep going. It was so hard. Guys, I love the book of 2 Corinthians, probably one of my favorite books, because it's so honest about the weakness of humanity. And I'm a weak man in many ways, and I know a lot of us are, actually, we are all weak in many ways. And I just love the the honesty of this book and the honesty of the apostle. I feel like I don't have to feel like a loser when I'm feeling like, I don't know if I can go on again. It's it's Sunday morning. I don't know if I can go to church again. I don't feel like sharing the word of God again. Man, I just want to pull back into my little recliner and pet the dog and eat my Fritos. That's all I want to do. I just want to pull back. And the Lord's like, no, this is what I have for you. Go, 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 go. And this, this is, that's why I love this book so much. He says, I'm not going to boast about me, but I'll tell you how God can use a weak man. Look at verse 6. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. So connect those dots. <laughs> a plus B equals fool. Boasting is not wise. Bragging is not wise. If we're going to boast, we boast in the Lord. Talk about what God has done. I I, I just want to just be, I'm just feeling a little too honest today. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, sometimes you guys come up to me and say, wow, great sermon, Bill. And and, a little bit of me goes, well, thank you. but, But really, honestly, honestly, guys, honestly, I'm more excited to say, isn't the Bible great? Isn't the Bible great? On, on this last Wednesday night, I taught Isaiah 24 and 25, and I went like this. I want you guys to be amazed at Isaiah 24 and 25. And I said, you know, who would go out on a Wednesday night to study the book of Isaiah? I will. I loved it. It was amazing. I just want to invite you guys, be in God's Word. Wednesday night, devotional time, get a commentary. There's online commentaries, you know, kind of, kind of a, a brief reading in the morning You'll get something out of it, but guys, dig in. It changes your life. Come out on our, and on our studies in Isaiah. Isaiah is amazing. God's heart's amazing. God's power is amazing. I didn't think I would be so moved by Isaiah 24 and 25. Who wants to read Isaiah 24 and 25 on a Wednesday night? I can't wait to keep going. It's just, it's just amazing. So Paul says, I'm not going to boast about me, but I will boast about my weakness. Verse 6, though I might desire to boast, I'm not going to be a fool. I'm not going to be foolish and boast about myself, for I will speak the truth. But I forbear, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. He's nervous about this. I really don't want to boast. I really don't want to talk about the things that God has done. Look at your notes there. There's an example there in bold letters. 
example. Paul, Paul would say, I don't want to talk about me, I want to talk about what God has done with this weak man named Paul. The example, look what the carpenter built with only a hammer and a handsaw. Look at this magnificent piece of furniture that he built with only a hammer and a handsaw. People don't go over and worship the hammer. They don't build a, you know, a glory thing for the saw. They go, man, you did that with this? You made all that with this? And, it's, and who gets the, the glory in that? The carpenter does. And Paul's basically saying, I'm just a primitive tool in the hand of God. But look, but look what he's done. Look what God has done. Look what God has done with a primitive tool. How many of you feel like a primitive tool sometimes? I feel like I'm in the Stone Age sometimes. I'm not even a sharp piece of flint. <laughs> I'm only good for bludgeoning things sometimes, you know? And God can do things if we will just give our lives over to him. He uses the weak. Verse 7 and Paul knew this about himself. He knew about his weakness. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. So that, you know, Paul said, I've had so many revelations, but I could get proud. And he says, so that I wouldn't get proud, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. A thorn, the word means a sharp stake used for torturing or impaling someone. Isn't that fun? God looked at Paul and said, Paul, I have done so much in your life that I know you're still human and I just don't want you going off the rails. So here, just hold still for a minute. I'm going to stick you with this thing. Because if I stick you with this thing, I know you want to be usable, Paul. But if I stick you with this thing, it'll keep you from getting proud because you'll hurt so much. And I know you want me to use you, so Paul, I'm going to use you. It's, just, it's as if God was saying, Paul, do you want to be used by me? Yes, Lord, more than anything, then hold still. I'm going to stick you. I'm going to stick you in your body. That's what it seems to be. I'm going to hurt you so that you won't get proud. Because gifted people, talented people, attractive people can get proud easily, can't they? Anybody can get proud easily. The word buffet here, verse 7 Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation of the thorn in the flesh was given me a messenger of Satan to buffet me. It means to beat or strike with the fist, either constant or recurring. It was possibly an eye disease or a physical ailment. Maybe, I mean, if somebody stones you and leaves you for dead, you're probably not going to just bounce up and, you know, be un, unscarred. Interesting verse in Galatians, if you look at your notes, Galatians 4.13 Paul says to the Galatians, you know that because of a physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. The church, the, the Galatian church got started because Paul was sick. So if you're saying in your life, if you really want to be used of the Lord, and then you're sick, and you might think, God, you can't use me, that was precisely the time that God used Paul. I stopped it with you. I stopped in your town because I was sick illness got me here so that I could preach the gospel so that this church could start. Illness was the method that God used to stop Paul in that geographical location. And he goes on to say, and my trial which was in my flesh you did not despise or reject. The trial which was in my flesh. What does that mean? Something was going on in his body that was so offensive they could have despised him or rejected him. Some people think it was some kind of eye disease, some kind of a malaria thing where his eyes were weeping and drooping with all kinds of junk coming. It was, it was probably unpleasant to look at. 
But he says to the Galatians, you didn't despise me because of that. You received me as an angel of God, even as Jesus Christ. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? You enjoyed, I bear you witness, that if possible you would have plucked your own eyes out and given them to me. That's kind of a clue that Paul had eye problems. Verse 7, messenger of Satan to buffet me. God was sovereign over Paul's life, but Satan wanted to destroy Paul. Satan comes to the Lord, doesn't say this, but if we understand the book of Job, Satan comes to the Lord and says, let me get at Paul. Let me hurt him. And God says, you know what? I don't want him to be too proud. Go ahead, you can, you can hurt his eyes. And Paul's more usable. Guys, we need to look at our infirmities a little differently. We need to look at our weaknesses a little bit differently. You need to look, everybody in the room's a victim. We've all been victimized. You've been victimized by parents or, rela- or relatives or friends or pastors or teachers or by your peers. Everybody in the room has been hurt. Some of us are hurt physically. Some of you suffer daily. Some of you suffer periodically. There's emotional things. There's psychological things. There's all kinds of things. There's people here that need to take medication for anxiety and all that kind of stuff. There's all kinds of illness and infirmity in the room. And a lot of times I think, if only I didn't have that, I could really serve the Lord. No, Paul says, it was because of the thorn that I could serve the Lord. We need to re-examine our views on, on, on the pain that we suffer. Paul was not suddenly out of the sovereignty of God because he had a thorn. Guys, the thorn was from the Lord. Satan loved it. Satan may have been the one, if you will, the imagery pushed the thorn in, but God was the the one that said, here, Satan, use this thorn. Can't I have a bigger one? No, you can only have this one, and you can only push it in so far. And Satan would want to destroy Paul. God says, no, he's more usable that way. He needs to limp a little bit. Verse 9 and 10, verse 8, excuse me, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Paul wasn't fun. Paul said, God, take it. Take it, take it, take it. By the way, it's okay to pray multiple times. Some Christians say, you should pray once, God heard it, don't ever pray again. I don't see that. Jesus prayed three times in the garden. Father, take this cup from me. Keep praying. It's a very natural thing when we have pain to want to to pray that it's gone. If you have pain, I'll pray that it goes too but you have to be okay with it not going. And you also have to know that that thorn, that infirmity, that pain, that letdown, that disappointment, that that offense, that thing that happened to you could be the very thing that God wants to use to keep you in a place where you are more usable. These are hard things, but this is the Christian life. Verse 9 Verse 8, he prays that it would go. Verse 9, he says, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I don't get this very much. These are hard things. I'm I'm a junior varsity uh, minister, and Paul's a PhD guy. I just mixed my metaphors, but you know what I mean. Therefore I take pleasure, are you kidding me? Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul sought God, he prayed for healing, but he was willing to accept God's answer. Paul shifted his thinking. He shifted his thinking. Now I I don't want you to miss something. Let me find it. 
Verse 7, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. It wasn't Paul's fault. And what do we, what do we give at Christmas to each other? Gifts. Paul said, I accept this gift from the Lord. You're not going to hear that on a positive mental attitude book tour. You're going to be told to deny that, that problem and just speak it out of existence. That's not reality. This is reality. Paul said, you know what? God gifted me. He gifted me with something that will keep me dependent on him. I asked him to take it away, but then I realized I don't want him to take it away. I do, but I don't. My flesh hates it, but you know what? I know it's what I need because it makes me dependent on him. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Why, how is the strength of God made perfect in our weakness? Because you're no longer depending on yourself. You're depending on the God who, who made all things. That's a shift we have to make. Guys, I so much want to encourage you, so much want to encourage you, if you're feeling like the thorns, in my notes here, thorns and suffering, we, we, we say they are the if-onlys of our life. If only this hadn't happened or if only they would change, or if only I could change, or if only this, or if I had a different body shape, or if, if I was mentally, emotionally more healthy, or if, if only I was more talented, if only I could quit this addiction, if only, if the if-onlys of life, we think they are the things that keep us from being effective for God, when in reality, sometimes they are the things that make us more effective for God. Not, not that we continue on with the bad things, but they, they cause us to surrender. They cause us to surrender. Forgive, forgive the imagery I'm going to give you right now, but I saw a t-shirt years ago and it was really, really good in this way. There was a, uh, it was a cartoon and there was an eagle, massive eagle with talons out like this and it's swooping down on this mouse. And the mouse, you only see the back of the mouse. And the mouse is making an obscene gesture to the eagle. And I forget what the caption was, something like, oh, I remember what it was, one last act of defiance. And you're laughing because it's funny. Mouse, your history. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to let him know right to the end. And I just think that's, you know who thought that up? A mouse didn't think that up. A human thought that up. Why? Because we just want to be so stubborn right to the end. But if we will shift our thinking and say, you know what, Lord? I grew up in a bad family and these things happened to me and all this stuff and I don't know if I can get rid of the pain, but you know what? I'm going to let it push me to you. And because if I grew up in a perfect family, I might not be so desperate for you. But all this mess, God, I'm going to see it as you having a gentle hook pulling me to you because I can't go on this way and I do want to be used by you. Therefore, my weakness is made perfect in your strength if I give up my strength and lean on your strength. It's coming to the end of ourselves. End of verse 9, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities in what they produce, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. 
couple of closing thoughts. If you have any questions, I'll try to answer them if you want to text them in. The answer that Paul received from God was the message of grace. Paul, I'm not going to take it away, but you can make it because I'm there with you. You can make it. It doesn't even matter how you feel, Paul. It doesn't even matter how you feel. I will help you. Grace is God's provision for every need when we need it. Sufficient grace, there's no shortage of God's strength when and how we need it. It's strengthening grace. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Guys, would you look at, the, at your notes at the bottom? These, this, I love these phrases that smart guys come up with and put them online so I can copy them. <laughs> Paul prayed for substitution. Give me a pain-free living instead of a painful living. Instead, God gave him transformation. We want substitution. We, we see, how could God ever use my background and my ill health and all of this? God, take away this and give me that. He wanted substitution. God says, no, I'm not going to give you substitution. I'll give you transformation in your thinking. You'll rethink this pain. And you'll see how I can use it and how it will make you dependent on me. Sometimes God does answer through substitution, relief for suffering. Other times he meets the need through transformation. Suffering brings maturity. Guys, God and Satan are both interested in your pain. Satan wants to use your pain, and everybody in the room has some kind of pain, and if you don't, you will. (laughs) Satan wants to use your pain to keep you from God and destroy you and make you unusable, and maybe you're not even a Christian today, and he wants to keep the unfairness of the world from from you coming to Jesus Christ, and God says, you know what? What the enemy wants to use for bad, I'm going to use for good. Where does the decision lie? Right here with us. Right here with us. If you're weak today, God can make you strong if you will let him. Are there any questions today? Looking at my super-duper iPad here. What do you think about the fact that John shared his heaven experience in the Revelation versus how Paul shares? That's a really good question. The book of the Revelation is about a vision of, of what's coming. Huh. Next question. No, excuse me. Uh, I just, that feels like a thorn, that question there. No, no, excuse me. Let me think about that, and I'll put it on the Facebook page. Let me ask some of my pastor buddies. That's a really, really good question. I appreciate that you guys are thinking. Yeah, I don't want to try to fake something right now and give you some off-the-cuff. That, that really deserves a really, really good answer, and I don't have one right now. So, but I will, I will research it this week. So look on our Facebook page. There is another question, I think. Does the Bible support the theory of multiple layers of heaven? You guys taking vitamins, or what are you doing? <laughs> huh. I'll have to look that up, too. Man, talk about being humbled. Those are good questions. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Good questions, guys. Are there any easy ones? <laughs> Is that it? Well, Oh, another one. So if we are born again, we can truly give thanks to God in and for all things that happen in our life because we trust God and know he will use it for his glory. Yeah, that's the attitude that we should take. And that's an attitude of faith because sometimes we can't see it. We can't, we can't fathom how God will use bad stuff. So yeah, that's the attitude that we need to have. It's not emotional. If I had to thank God based on the emotions, I wouldn't. It has to be faith. Should we pray that God would bring us to complete weakness? I wouldn't suggest that. (laughs) 
I, w- I would pray rather, Lord, let me, bring me to complete obedience. That's a bit. I'm glad I could answer, end on a question that I knew. <laughs> bring me to complete obedience. Weakness almost makes you a victim and non-participatory. Obedience is, Lord, I'm going to follow you even if it hurts. 